Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Julius Adewunmi. Julius is a managing principal at J. Alexander Group Advisors, whose goal is to help his clients experience long-term sustainable growth in life and enterprise, according to their core values, goals, and aspirations. He is also a speaker facilitator for TEDx Gateway Arch. Hi, Julius. Did I say your last name right? You said it perfectly. Awesome for me. Woo! I'm high-fiving myself right now. All right. Cool beans. Um, Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So we've known each other for quite a while, and we've got to hang out at different TEDx things, but this is my opportunity to really get to know you, because usually we're pretty active with whatever we're doing with TEDx. Yes, you are. Yeah, me, <laughs> right? No, I really am very calm, and I don't run around much. So. No, 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 not at all, not at all. But can we start there? Can we talk about how did you, how did you find us, and how did you become one of our facilitators, and what's that whole experience like for you? Well, actually, yes, we can start there. All right. I believe, uh, what was it, three, probably three years ago, I was on a quest. I was a Ted, uh, I was in Ted mania. Are you Ted, a Ted head? Yeah, I was a, a Ted true head. Ted head. I was See, a Ted head. there you go. And I just kept thinking, every time I watched these uh, Ted talks, I kept thinking, man, it would be great to do a Ted talk. And so I found out through one of the uh, Toastmasters clubs, I guess one of the participants, was I realized or knew there was a TED TEDx uh, in town, and so she said, "Hey, why don't you uh, go down here and talk to these guys? And uh, they have a TED event coming up. There's some auditions coming up. Maybe you can be part of those auditions." And that's so. I showed up to the auditions. I think there were 30 people that were supposed to yep. take part in the audition, and uh, sat through every single one of them. And uh, there were supposed to be 30, and 28 showed up, and. Um, I think it was John. Was it John Barry? Oh, yeah. John yeah. Barry. Yeah. And John walked up to me and said, hey, there's two spots open. Do you have a two-minute audition you could throw out there? Because, you know, Toastmasters are known to have speeches in the hip pocket. Oh, okay. And I said, none that would fit the TED model. <laughs> the TED model. Right. So, anyway, I, I just observed and, and took it all in, and then uh, Elaine afterwards approached me and said, hey, would you like to be a facilitator? And I just jumped at the idea. I thought, yeah, I would love to be a facilitator. So, isn't it interesting, because that's, you know, I, I always felt like Ted was going to be a part of my life somehow, not knowing what that meant. And and then when it showed up, it was like, oh, you're going to be organizing this stuff. <laughs> like, holy cow. Okay. <laughs> but do you love it? I mean, who are some of the speakers you facilitated? So I the first time I facilitated, wow, he was unbelievable. I facilitated Kababi Biyak. Oh, gosh. That's a, right? I mean, that was, for me, a treat. You can, I can't it watch was, that without tearing up. Yeah, it was for me a treat. And I'll tell you what I enjoyed most about it. So when coaching a speaker, you always go through their talk and you emphasize it's got to be your talk. This is just, we're just guiding you. Right. You know, it's your right. talk. We can help you kind of make sure you're within time, et cetera. But the one thing I cautioned him on was when he talked about his father, I told him, I said, hey, be careful because there's something about a room that the emotions sometimes yes. will just come up. And I yep. said, 
if that happens, go with it and just go with it. And the audience would love you, but just go with it. Don't try to fight it. Just go with it. And then just pick it's it up. It's authentic and real. Absolutely. And and he thought, no, I've done it a hundred times. Uh, I, uh, yeah, that wouldn't bother me. And on the day, <laughs> as you can see from the day, Yes. On the day. The emotion the showed emotion up. The emotion showed up. And, <laughs> and he kind of looked at me and said... Man, you told me it was going to happen too, <laughs> and I said it always does. It just there's just something about the emotions and the energy in the room that just. Well, and I think it, that's part of the beauty of what we do with yeah. with these um, events because, it, and it it really is. I mean, it's ha- it happened to me just at Shiraz Gorman had done a beautiful poem, and you know talking about her brother being mm-hmm. murdered, and and when she. Did that poem, you know, and I had heard it how many times with, you know, the audition, or not the auditions, but, you know, just practices and what mm-hmm. have you. And when I went out on that stage, I literally could feel the emotion mm-hmm. of the stage and the audience. And I like, and I was hosting with Ed Reggie and I was like taken aback. And I, and it was right. hard for me to start talking. Right. I was like, okay, let's just all breathe. And I'm looking at Ed and Ed's looking like, you're going to be okay. And I thought, I'm, I'm going to cry. Right. Cause that was so, I could feel it. You could just feel it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. who else? Yeah. The second year it was Dr. Russell, twice exceptional. Oh my gosh. He was awesome. He was from, he was amazing. He was amazing. Here's a six foot four slender, good looking guy who just looks and talks so calmly and so evenly toned, and you think, so what's this talk going to be about? <laughs> and he puts it all together, and we practice and go over it, and, you know, and on the day, he erupts with this personality. Okay, that- what, right? Because he was on my podcast, and I was like, you know, he was so soft-spoken and kind of right. quiet. And then he gets up on stage, and I'm like, what, wait a when, minute when here. What? Well, and I think some people, it's the audience. The yes. audience like really gets them into, they're like, ah, right, right. here we go. Yeah. You know, yeah. that is hilarious because yeah. that's exactly what I thought too. But it was, a, yeah. it was an amazing talk. Yeah, it was, it was. It was, it was amazing. And it was also, hmm. So it was, what made it even more amazing was I was doing that phase of my life I wasn't really too in tuned with, I hate to call it disabilities, but what he calls twice exceptional. Exactly. It's OCD, ADHD, you know. Autism. Uh, autism, right. the whole gamut. I wasn't too in tune with it. So it gave me a really good education into it and behind it. Cool. So I got to learn about the personalities, I got to learn about what happens, I got to learn about how to treat it, I got to learn about how to treat people. And I almost hate to call it a disability after listening to his talk. Well, right. You know? Right. Because it's a just a different way exactly. that we function. You know, and so it was amazing. It was amazing. He actually had a huge impact on, on my family doing doing the talk because we got to share some of the intricacies of his talk and uh, give me just a better understanding of people. Oh, yeah. Wow. So that's really cool, right? Yeah. I mean, that that's one of the reasons why we do what we do is it, it, we do get something from it. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, it, absolutely. it really enriches our lives and, absolutely. you know, we get to meet 
amazing people. I mean, that to me, that is the best part of being a part of TEDx. I get to meet people like you. I get to hang out with amazing people all the time. <laughs> I mean, come on. This is a great gig. That is awesome. Who did you facilitate for Think Well? So Think Well, I actually didn't facilitate okay. anyone. Yeah, all I right. didn't. I was, so I think the plan was perhaps if Jackie Joanna Kersey was going to do gonna a do talk, it, right? I was going to facilitate her. But we did an but, interview, but and did so, an interview, which yeah. is for some people, they're so busy. It's like asking them because it takes 40 plus hours. Absolutely. And not everybody has the 40 plus hours for Absolutely. their TED Talk. So, yeah. 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 Very yeah. cool. How about the event before? Did you? Uh, Ness Sandoval. Oh, wow. Now, he was something else, right? He, uh, I got to tell you. Talk so, about interesting. Yeah. Uh, he, he, was a, he was amazing. So, when you talk about facilitating a speaker, there's some people that are used to doing presentations. Right. And Dr. Russell was used to doing presentations in front of large amounts of people. Now, I've watched his presentation before, and they're pretty direct and pretty on a curriculum. Right. But when he did his TED Talk, he was really funny. I mean, he was funny. Yes. He erupted. Now, Ness was, on the other hand, he's a professor, and he's into maps. And he does amazing things with maps. Right. I mean, things that you just, I would have never thought to read through maps. Exactly. Now, how do you then articulate it and communicate what you know to an audience, a TED audience? And that was our challenge. And so we started from the beginning in understanding what he was trying to communicate and then had to help him communicate it and connect with the audience through stories. Because I got to tell you, the first time he gave his talk and we listened to it, it was it was pretty, um, you know. And that happens. I was, mean, because I've seen the first talk yeah. sometime and you're oh. thinking, oh, no, this isn't going to, yeah. you know. But but it, that is a challenge because they, I mean, they know. Absolutely. They know what they're, they Absolutely. know it. But then now we have to make it accessible to the audience. audience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the audience isn't all up on all this map stuff. No. So, you know, no. making it accessible is, right. It's, right. well, you did very good. Oh, he was amazing. He was, he, yeah. was, he was amazing. He was, I'm on, it was another, great. Another thing is you always have that element of surprise on the day. Yeah, right. And so far, it's it's so far it's always been a really pleasant, a pleasant surprise. surprise. Right. Exactly. Right. I know. It's yeah. like the universe loves us and is working <laughs> for us. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back with Julius. All right, we're back with my buddy Julius. So we were talking before we even started this. We were talking about your business and what you do and who you the businesses you're connecting. Let's let's talk about that. Okay. What would you like to know? Well, I think it's interesting that you're helping people to create international connections. So, as I was telling you before the show started, years ago I would talk to businesses and I would ask them, you know, about what they did. And they would tell me that they had an international business. And I would ask them, where are your locations? And they would say, well, I have one in Brazil and perhaps one in Canada. And I would always sort of look and say, so that's the extent of your international uh, reach? And they said, yeah. 
Well, I'm originally from Nigeria, been in St. Louis for 34 years. And for the last 20 or so years being in business, I've sort of met a lot of people who just don't know much about Africa and specifically sub-Saharan Africa. Um, Being from Nigeria, we have a population of about 184 million people and it's the sixth largest economy in the world. Which I had no idea. Most people don't. I seriously had no idea. Yeah. I go home twice a year, and every time I go back to Nigeria, uh, probably 15 to 20% of the flights are Americans. Really? So they're obviously aware. There's some right. folks that are yeah. aware that there's a lot of business being done. Perhaps most of them are, are, are in the oil and gas. Okay. So and they, they, they are very familiar with, with Nigeria being a, a big oil-producing country. But there's a lot of other businesses transacted there. And so I thought, you know, if I'm working with business owners and executives, why not connect these two together? And the whole idea of it is if you're in catering or if you're, in, if you're manufacturing, uh, like Sun Corporation manufactures honing uh, uh, appliances or honing machines and whatnot, mm-hmm. well— you create a relationship with somebody back there in Lagos, Nigeria, and you communicate. We have all the modes of communication today. I introduce them. They connect and exchange ideas. And perhaps anybody with interest comes over here to St. Louis and discovers the arch and discovers the Midwest and realizes there are other parts in the U.S. besides New York, Chicago, right. <laughs> and right. all the other big yeah. cities. All the ones everybody knows. <laughs> everybody knows, right, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> And so they can come here to St. Louis and actually get to know Missouri and get some training and realize that it's a fantastic place to raise a family. How cool is that? How did you get here? How did you come to be a part of our St. Louis community? Oh, boy. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking something. <laughs> so here's, here, here's, here's the short story. Okay. I was in England in boarding school. I went back to Nigeria and applied for universities in the United States because I wanted to study business. Well, being from other countries, what cities in the United States are you very familiar with? You're familiar with New York, Chicago, D.C. So where did I apply? I applied to Fordham University in New York. Okay. It was a Jesuit university, and my family has a big partiality to a Jesuit education. Gotcha. So we thought, okay, I applied, and I got accepted. I was celebrating my acceptance at church, and the priest told my father in Lagos, Nigeria, that you ought to apply to St. Louis University. It's a great place, a nice conservative city. He won't get into any trouble, and you'll be pleased because that's where he graduated from. So I applied to St. Louis University, and I got accepted. And I still thought, you know, I'm going to New York, baby. Right, right, right. (laughs) I'm going to New York. Well, I wasn't in charge of finances. My father was. And he bought the ticket to St. Louis. And so that's that's how I ended up in St. Louis. And so now you're in St. Louis. I went to St. Louis too as well. Oh, you did? Yes. What years? Oh, gosh. Uh, Way long time ago. (laughs) No, um, it was, it would, so I went there, like it was like late 80s, early 90s when I was there. Okay. So That's when I was there. Really? We probably well, no, hung no, out no, and partied. Early, early 80s. Oh, okay. 84 to 87. I was just a little bit later. And I went to school in Madrid. They've got a campus yeah. over in Madrid. I was, I did that. I was making uh, uh, an argument f- with my dad. We spent the summer in Barcelona, Madrid, 
and Valentia. Uh-huh. Oh, you even know how to say it. Ah, Valentia. Yep, exactly. And I said, hey, maybe I could just go to St. Louis U in, in Barcelona. Uh, well, uh, do they have one in Barcelona? No, I'm sorry, in Madrid. In Madrid, right, in, in yeah, Madrid. Yeah. And he said, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're going to stay in St. Louis, son. We were having so much fun <laughs> in, in Madrid. And, well, and, I'm and, glad yeah. that that happened. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad too. I'm pleased. I'm That's pleased. awesome. Yes, I'm pleased that I ended up here in St. Louis. It's been a very, very good experience. And um, great schools. Well, and you're, and you're connecting people with another I mean, a whole other country, and that's a, that's all part of us becoming global. I mean, I you know, it's so just coming back from TED Fest, where you know we've got people from sixty countries. You know, it, it it's it your world can get so much bigger, and there's blessings in having that bigger world and knowing people from all these different countries, and I love that you're doing that. I think it's important, and and you know, we don't. I don't know that much about Africa, right? right? The only way I'm going to know it is if I know people from there and if I visit there and, Absolutely. you know, and then there's that whole thing of like, where do you go if you go to Africa? Right. You know, you want to know people that can guide you and tell you, well, here's where you want to go and this Absolutely. is what you want to make sure to visit and see. It's just like anything. So if you can make that, if you can get those connections mm-hmm. to all these various places, it will only do good things for you. Absolutely. We'll Absolutely. only do good things for you. So what what else do you want us to tell us about what you do? Tell us what else you do. Well, I you know, my, my business is a is pretty unique. I, I've had a mortgage business for twenty years mm-hmm. and I still I still have that, still very active in the mortgage business. But I think um, my business is called uh, J. Alexander Group Advisors, and it's a life and enterprise management company. And what we try to do is for so long as a male in executive positions all over the world, you sort of separate your life from your enterprise. So you separate your life from your business. And we have come to realize over the years that it's not so. It's, yeah. It's impossible. Right. And so why not have an organization that can help improve and grow both at the same time because they're both very important to everyone's existence. Exactly. And so why focus on the growth of your business but not focus on the growth of your personal life? Because you, know, you have to have that balance. Uh, you absolutely have to have I the balance. I love it. Yeah. So that's, that's very cool. That's, that was the core of, of, of what and why uh, we, we came in business. And do you mainly work with entrepreneurs or do you work with like corporate teams or? Yes, I work with entrepreneurs and uh, corporate executives. I I believe you build a culture down. Uh, I like to work with decision makers. Okay. uh, Because that's where where the culture is built and you build it down. And I also will work with top performers. I think based on my my coaching and my mentors, um, and I, I, I... I spent a couple of years getting mentored and coached, and the results were that this should be my target market. That's who I connect the most with. Gotcha. And so uh, I think it had something to do with the personalities, with the D personality, which... Oh, right. Is that the disc thing? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, 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 people always tell me what I am on that, and I always forget. I know I'm like high energy something or other. Right. <laughs> Very, very high energy. <laughs> right. Well, people that know it, they're like, you're a blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, you know, yeah. and I should probably try to retain that knowledge, but yeah, I never we usually, do. Most of us are a combination of two. 
Right. You know? Yeah. They always give yeah. me two. Yeah. Then I'm a, a combination this and that. of two. And, and typically something, it takes a major event in your life that causes any kind of switch in the personality. Oh, it gotcha. can happen. I but, believe it can happen. Absolutely. But it can happen. So far, I'm on the high energy thing. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We will be right back. All right, we're back. Julius, it's question time. Question time. So this is what's hilarious. Here's my first question for you. Uh-oh. How do you dress when you're not looking all snazzy and refined? Is so, and you walk in without your suit on. I'm so used to you having like this beautiful suit. Not I mean, but you look good. Like do you ever wear blue jeans or oh, yes. shorts or okay. So you yes. you do dress down. It's funny. At St. Louis U, when I was on campus uh, as a student, I used to get teased a lot because I never owned a pair of jeans. And I always wore dress shoes on campus. Okay. And what was funny is my dress shoes were different colors. And so I used to get teased quite a bit that he never wears jeans and he always wears dress shoes. So probably about my, it was my senior year, I decided to get a couple pairs of jeans and 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 a pair of tennis shoes to wear on campus. Because uh, we're all about the tennis shoes. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah, right. Right. <laughs> and, and I got into the casual mode until I started working, graduated, and started working. And then I went back to the suits. And when I quit working with the company I was working for at the time and decided to go out on my own, I just kind of thought, you know, I feel good. When I'm in my suits, right. I like to wear my well, suits. Well, you wear suits well. You know how some people like think they they look awkward in a suit. Right. You look awesome. Thank you. Always. Thank I'm you. always like, there's my snazzy <laughs> dresser friend Julius over there with his awesome suit on. I love it. Oh my gosh, that's Thank awesome. Thank well, you. it was so funny when you walked in. I'm like, oh, he's not wearing a suit. What the heck? Well, um, well, you know, actually, there's the there's a little thing with that. Okay. I took all my suits into the cleaners. Ah, so it's cleaner day. I was supposed <laughs> to pick them up yesterday, and they were closed when I got there. Oh, shoot. So I, I was so going to do it this morning, but I thought, you know, Mish said be casual, so I think I'm going to be casual. <laughs> I did. I just say it was casual. I just didn't expect <laughs> you to dress that way. i never seen you dress casual. All right, so I was looking back at all of the things about you, and I came up with this question and I don't even know if you can answer it, but we can take it wherever you want to go. Mm. Do you have a favorite Yoruban folktale? Or just tell me a about A favorite Yoruban folktale? Yes. So I don't have a favorite Yoruba folktale. Is that how to say it? Yeah, Yoruba. Yoruba, Yoruba okay. folktale. Actually, there are a few of them. But how about I... Take it where you want. How about I, I give us. you... I give you um, one of the first competition speeches I did was called Legacy. Okay. And in that speech, I talked about how my mother had a saying. And a saying, in, in when you grow up in Nigeria, nothing is spelled out for you, it seems like. Okay. You have to figure things out yourself. So, and you later understand why, because you have to sort of own it. 
you get you get taught different things, but it's going to apply in different situations. And the saying is, you tell a prudent person half a word, and when it gets digested, <laughs> it becomes a whole word. Interesting. In other words, you just don't spell things out. Got ya. You sort of give them the principle. And the principles are applied to their lives in different circumstances. That's really cool. So it, it sort of gives you, you know, I think when I gave the speech, part of the speech, if you go back, I think it's on some of the YouTube channels. Part of the speech talks about how I used to get frustrated and I would just tell my mom, mom, just tell me the word, will you? Right, <laughs> right. You get yeah. tired of going back and figuring out, okay, what does she mean by this? What is she? What was she saying? <laughs> you know, but, you know, you just, you realize this different circumstances occur. But That's really, a cool thing. The same principle applies. And so it teaches you to kind of apply it on your but, own. And then, like you said, then you own it. I mean, Absolutely. so then it like truly is yours. It's, it be, yours. it's not something like that you borrowed knowledge. It's like your knowledge. Absolutely. What an interesting thought. That's like great parenting advice right there. Thanks, Julius's mom. Okay, so <laughs> I was looking at all the different specialties you have when it comes to coaching. There's a lot. And so I want you to just choose one that you want to talk about because I've got... I'm showing here business coach, fatherhood, the purpose-filled dad, which explains why you were so awesome with Kababi, uh, relationship coaching, personal growth leadership, motivational speaker, professional development, interracial and multicultural family coach, living with osteoarthritis coach, pre-surgery and post-surgery. What? You can talk about so many things. What do you want to talk about right now? Well, I could. The The arthritis thing was I, I got diagnosed with uh, osteoarthritis years ago, and it was affected my hips and my, and so at an early age, when I was uh, 30, I got diagnosed. And I think by 36, 37, I'd had my first hip replaced, and then I had my second one replaced, and then the first one didn't take. So oh, I had to go gosh. in and get that replaced again. And so it's been great since then. I, I'm, I'm, but I realized that I have this inflammation problem. And so I reached out to a lot of the doctors to, to let them know that I was available to help coach people in that situation, especially with diet and, and exercise before surgery and then after surgery, what they needed to do. Oh, cool. Um, and that's how that came about. But really what I focus on right now, and, and this is why I, whenever I give speeches, you get interviewed after the speech, and my inspiration comes from my family, my kids. And what I focus on right now, it's your excellence. And that's my brand right now. Is what How many is, kids do you have? What is your excellence? I have three, I have three, three children. Kids. Okay, what are their ages? A 23-year-old son, a 19-year-old daughter, and a 15-year-old son. And they're, I'm sure, excellent. Oh, they're amazing. They're absolutely amazing. And so they, they inspire me. And, you know, you, you raise your kids up to an extent to want to be something. Right. You know, you want them to do better than you do. And so you give them as much advantages as you possibly can, whether it's via education, connections, etc. But ultimately, they have to find their excellence. Right. And that's my focus with everybody, whether it's the business owner, whether it's the executives, kids, teenagers. We're so bugged down sometimes in what we want our kids to become or what we want our executives to become. And we have to focus on what the qualities that they have and what they truly 
can become. I love it. It's so true. It's, uh, you know, I mean, I think everybody, but you know, I, cause I've struggled like with, so I have this thing about how I, I can't do corporate talk. Mm. I'm just terrible at corporate talk. Yet I seem to be finding myself in situations where everyone around me is doing the corporate talk thing. And I was like, oh, like it just doesn't flow out of my mouth that way. I mean, I feel like I should just walk into some meetings and be like, uh, spreadsheets, projections, ROI, <laughs> and, you know, call it good, you know? Um, but what I've come to realize is just, I mean, I, I had to just say, you know what, I, I can't, I'm not going to do it. It wouldn't be me. It would seem weird coming out of my mouth this way. Mm. So I'm just going to talk like Mish would talk. Exactly. And no exactly. one seems to be upset with me. Absolutely not. <laughs> so I think Absolutely you just go with not. it. Right. And And not everyone, I mean, everybody expresses themselves in different ways. And... Not everybody can have every skill set. No. You no. just can't. But no. your skill set is needed. You know, so we, I think about this with our team at TEDx. You know, uh, different skill sets are needed. If we only attracted people that were like us, we'd be a hot mess. No. You no. know, you, yeah. you have to Absolutely. find people that can do the things you can't do so mm -hmm. it all fits together. Mm -hmm. And I think it's evident in what we do that we really do have a good team yes, and a do. lot of awesome skill sets at Absolutely. play. Absolutely. Um, but Absolutely. yeah, I love it. And you're, ex you're right because... My daughter one time said, what do you want me to be when I grow up? And I was like, nope, not going to tell you. I said, I want you to be what you want to be. Right. right. And we don't know what that is yet, but right. you need to be what you want to be. Right. I can't tell you what to go be. Right. right. I think as a parent, we have a responsibility or a guardian as a responsibility to, you know, you know your child. Yeah. You know, you have a responsibility to guide them to to what your the data you have, your 30, 40, 50 years of living, the data you've collected to guide them to a certain vocation, what you perceive to be their vocation. Right. But it's up to them. That's a foundation. It's up to them to take the, that guidance and evolve to meet and reach their excellence. Exactly. And, and that's what uh, the most my most recent speech is called the Invisible Security Blanket. And it talks about that security blanket that we we were raised up with, and it, it's illustrated in my example when I first arrived here in the United States in 1984 with my father. And it was just my father and I, and he spent three days with me, and then we went to the airport. And I talked about that experience being at the airport where he said goodbye. And I <sighs> turned around, and I felt as if somebody just ripped that security blanket off my body. Right. Because I just felt lost. I thought, oh my gosh. I'm here all by myself. I'm, I'm here by myself. What am I doing here? Yeah. You know, and, and I, this totally new place, country, country, place. No I relatives, yeah. no, not, nobody. That's tough, isn't it? Yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a great experience because that, that moment lasted, I don't know, maybe five, 10 seconds, but you just, you snap out of it right. and you say, okay, What's next? And you reach a whole new level of, of maturity. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's how I felt in Spain. I went over there. I'm like, I, knew, I didn't know anybody, you know, and I'm in this and I couldn't speak the language and the whole thing, but you figured it out. And it was like, you came back a different person, right? After Absolutely. that experience, it's yes. like, boom, yes. maturity. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. yes. I love yes. it. Yes. Well, Julius, thank you so much for being here. Thanks I am for so me, excited that you wanted to be a guest. Thank you so Absolutely. much. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. My pleasure. You're awesome. Thank We're going to do thank more you, cool Mish. TEDx things together. I look forward to it. And everybody out there, you have an awesome day. Don't forget to subscribe to Mishmash on iTunes. Thank you.